Hey everybody, welcome back to DMs Anonymous, the podcast for DMs who can't talk to any of their friends because they all play in their games. As always, we got Andreas and Ari. And I, I have Jacob. a face. Yes, she has a face. <laughs> so when you, you can check her out on YouTube. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, uh, let's get all the housekeeping out of the way. Member of the Broken Charge Broadcasting family, brokenjars.xyz, brokenjarsbroadcasting at gmail.com. Uh, I am at Jacob Ingalls on Twitter. Check out the drive through RPG link below to help us out. Uh, you can check out our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash broken jars. Uh, if you want to give us some of your hard earned money every month, uh, about it. Sounds about right. Uh, you can check out the DMs Anonymous Discord below as well. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, how's everybody doing? It's, uh, we, we took a little extra time off. Um, I sound uh, like death, but it's fine. <laughs> I'm totally fine. I swear, just screaming, screaming my brains out. It's it's the uh, scary season, so ha. <laughs> yes, it is. Andreas, have you been running any any games? Uh, yeah, near future uh, urban fantasy kind of game. While we're waiting for Odyssey of the Dragon Lords, nice. that's we're playing right now. They're running. They're running a kind of a detective agency, and I did not. Uh, I, I, they picked the name. Of the agency. I don't approve, but it's called Psych. Ah, I love it. Uh, your uh, James Roday and Dulé Hill reference in for the day. Uh, it's been like, they've been, it's going okay uh, so far. They uh, met the, being too loud because my roommate's in this, in that session, but they've met the uh, the dragon of the greater LA area, which is where they're operating. Oh, that's and, excellent. And he's kind of made them their like his like uh, his gophers. <laughs> so whenever when he needs something done, like right now, I just because they weren't really nothing was really happening, so I was like, okay, I'll send them on a quest, kind of. So he contacted them, and he was like, so I got, there's this box that was supposed to arrive for me, and it didn't, and I want it back. You go get it. I'll give you twenty thousand dollars. What so, system are you using? We're playing uh, Voin, which I think I've talked about before, mm. which is made for, there are three, three versions of it. Voin, uh, Voin New, which is sci-fi. Voin Now, which is contemporary. And Voin, what's the last, what's the fantasy one? But the last one's fantasy, but I don't, it's uh, I don't remember the name. Old. Wine old. Uh, well, that's what it's called. Since they're running a detective agency, I'd... Uh, a kind of. It's like a consulting... Like, the first mission they were on, they did an exorcism <laughs> thing. Uh, so it's like... You know, run yeah. of the mill. It's fine. Every day. <laughs> yeah, if you remember, if you if you kind, kind of, like, imagine kind of uh, Angel's investigation thing from the TV show, but run by a ruthless... Uh, um, what's that word? What's the economic model that we all run by? Right. Yeah. By a ruthless, ca- ruthless capital. <laughs> not, not a guy who wants to do good and help the helpless, but instead of it's run by Pete, who's my room, my roommate, that's his character name, who's like his whole persona is make money. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I, since they're doing that kind of stuff, I definitely check out, uh, like the free Dresden modules on drive through RPG. Cause there's some pretty good investigative studies that can easily just be plopped into. Yeah. I'm going to check that out since we're, t- how much does this, that cost? If say, if I were to uh, purchase it through our drive through RPG link, they're actually they're all free through drive through. They're all free. I mean, that's great value, right? Yeah. <laughs> check out drive through RPG.com. Use the broken drive link in the section below. 
Yep. <laughs> All right. What you been up to? Uh, since I work on uh, Thursday through Sunday, I have had very little D&D in my life. It's all been kind of pushed to the uh, weekdays. So I have a uh, Monster of the Week game that I am a player in that has been shifted to Wednesday. I have our uh, DMA uh, D&D game. And then I get to play Scion Sunday afternoons for about two hours before I have to leave for work. <laughs> so um, I'm not running anything right now, but as soon as the scary season is over, I'm hopping right back in. And it looks like that I might also have two new games that I'm going to be a player in. So that's going to be excellent. Uh, of course. Oh, speaking of being a player... I've been thinking about talking with my roommate. My roommates run another game in Voin New, which is sci-fi. And I've been thinking about joining them and basically playing uh, sort of... Uh, they have Star Knights in that system, which are Jedis. Oh, that's fun. And I've been thinking about like playing some sort of Jedi, maybe. Changeling. Mm. Changeling, so I can look like any of those. Oh, that's fun. And I'm thinking like I, doing him doing him like like kind of Asian, so he'll be like, "Oh yes, very very, thank you very much." Like something like I wanna ha- I wanna give him like an accent and a persona, and it's like try and stay in character. <laughs> I never- as long as you don't get uh, <laughs> offensive with it, then I say go for it. And the best way to do that is practice. So I mean, even if it gets super offensive, who's like nobody gives a shit at my tape. I mean, it's, it's not like we're recording it. Yeah, I can't. Again, best place to practice. Yeah. Yeah, right now all I've got is the Dungeon Masters Anonymous game uh, going. I am prepping to start a Curse of Strahd 5e game in January. Definitely sounds like fun. You're gonna have to keep us updated on that. Yeah, it's gonna be. It should be a good time. I've always want. I've played through most of it, and I've always wanted to run it as a DM because it seems like a lot of fun. Run, you know, actually like art and all that. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't run the new one. I ran ran that converted old one I told you about, but it was fun to run. Uh, so, so I think the fifth, fifth edition one would run. Yeah, because like in the fifth edition one, like it's designed to where you the players run into Strahd like four or five times to the campaign. Like so, it's like a very active big bad. So that seems like a lot of fun. Yeah, I think I think it was something similar. The first time they run into him in the one I played, I remember clearly, is he seeks them out in a church before they go to the place of operation. Yeah, I don't know how it was in the original, but in five E they had this, um, this tarot deck. Yeah, 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 that was there too. That was Draw there too. from, The, the yeah. guy who converted it did the whole conversion for it so you can play it. Nice, yeah. So, like, it's designed to you have random encounters every time you play it. So, you know, well, so I'll do that. And I spent the money and bought, like, the map pack and everything on Roll20 so I won't have to, like, do anything special. <laughs> like, it's going to be pretty minimal. Can you have, like, the tarot in the map? Pa- yeah, in, in the, the roll twenty. Oh, that's neat. So the yeah. players can see it. You can show them mm-hmm. like the tarot. Yeah, so you can do like a reading, like as it's supposed to be done. I mean, if you if you want to spend the money, you can do some really cool stuff because they have like all the official all the official stuff have like map packs and icon packs and stuff. I actually have a thing. Speaking of uh, kind of off topic to what we're going to talk about today, but speak definitely Dungeon and Dragons role playing related. World Trinity has you know. The whole map thing and everything like that's what you use it for. being able to like show your players mm-hmm. this is the map and hear you and do the combat and everything together over the end but D beyond recently got something very similar right have you tried both because i haven't tried it because it requires a subscription and my roommate has like every every book and he has the big subscription where he can share everything with us so i'm not really incentivized to get a subscription to check it out but uh, i was wondering i don't know 
I don't know. I just, I've, I've bought some of the books on Rolling. That's my, really my extent. They, I've used like the character, but I haven't really checked out any of this. But so you haven't, you haven't, um, you have, you not run combat before on Roll20? Uh-uh. Okay. I didn't know that was a thing. I mean, that thing is what most people use it for is to play over the internet with like, there's the map and you do the dice roll and everything in the app so everyone can see. That was a thing. Uh, I've been a player with DMs using the maps and tokens and such, but I have yet to do it as a DM. Okay, just because they recently, uh, somewhat recently, they announced or there's this beta that you can try on D&D Beyond if you're a subscriber, which is like what Roll20 does, which is what I thought originally D&D Beyond would have, but they, that's like... Yeah, they have it. it seemed like they were going to use Roll20 as their digital asset, and they were like, wait, we can make way more money if we do it ourselves. Yeah, also the whole uh, security breach. But... Yeah, and then Roll20 got all their political stance, and I think Wizards was like, maybe not. What, what's the story? I haven't heard about this. Oh, one of the founders, like, so it, it was, it was kind of stupid, but it basically it was... People got upset that they couldn't. So you know, women could ask for all women games, but men couldn't ask for all male games. Huh. Uh, you know, in the forums and stuff, and it caused this big outrage. Just like six months ago or something. That doesn't seem fair. Why can't men have all men games if they want to have all men games? Because that's sexist. <laughs> Apparently, I'm just gonna stay quiet on this for now, and we can talk about this <laughs> another time and move on and. <laughs> Fun times, ain't it great? So <laughs> lovely <our>, big. <laughs> so our, our, yeah, I mean it's a big thing. Like I've only seen a little bit on it. I didn't feel like it was worth the effort to really research, so I haven't. Uh, but yeah, so our topic today is story arcs, engaging your PCs, and what to do when they break everything. Because <laughs> it's gonna happen. Because uh, as uh, Someone, I'm not going to name names, put it, uh, bastard coded with bastard feeling. It's okay. I love all of you. It's great. I love all my players equally. Except for you, Kyle. <laughs> oh, no, I actually have a player named Kyle. <laughs> oh, God, I'm dying. No, uh, no uh, but for real, things are going to get broken, and it's fine. It's just a matter of figuring out what to do with those broken shards that you are left with and creating something that's still enjoyable for your players. Because at the end of the day, at least for me, as long as the players are still having fun, that's the most important thing. Okay, let's, so let's start with like how you start constructing your campaign and how you decide to start putting your PCs into it. Oh, that's a, I mean, that's a big one. Let me just think about that one for a second. Like for me, I try to start with the end and work my way backwards. So like, okay, I need to know, like, we need to know what the bad guy is and what the motivation is. And then we can kind of work our way backwards and figure it out from there. I don't think I start that grand. I think I start way more locally of where they start, what what's the issues are around there. I might I have an idea about the big bad, but... I mean, that's so far down the line. I'm thinking about some of these more smaller things first, I think, because it's going to be relevant much quicker. Um, for me, I uh, kind of a mix of both. Like, I'll 
be thinking about like what's going on in the background while the players are, you know, in those lower levels uh, while they're taking care of like, oh, uh, Miss Applebottom needs uh, you to go deliver a pie to her granddaughter. Um, so while those like little things are going on, I'll be like dropping the little threads of, hey, you know, these are the other things happening around in the world. You might not be quite high enough to check it out just yet, but you are getting there. Um, and then, of course, for like the games where they're already kind of a higher level, um, I'll just kind of like plop them right into that action because uh, for the most part, I'll let them know beforehand, hey, you know, this is the history of the world that you're in. This is what you guys know. And this is what you guys as a team are coming to the table with. Yeah, but I, I try to like, I generally start prepping like two months out before campaign starts. So I'll have some kind of at least skeleton of idea of how I want like plots to work and set pieces. Mm -hmm. uh, like, you know, my, my far future campaign, I was like, okay, I want Vecna to try and blow up the universe. Fun. Was like, that was the extent of like my like big bad idea. And so I started like, okay, okay. Let's figure out how all this works and, you know, start doing the world building. Like in this one is like the gods are real and they get more powerful, the more followers they have. So they, like they have like marketing agencies for, for, for their relationship. Well, that's fun. Yeah. So yeah, in that campaign, I was trying to make the gods a lot more like people-ish, you know, like, mm -hmm. like was it Bahamut? Who, who's the dragon? Like one of the dragon. Siobhan and Bahamut? Yeah. Like, he's just like, he was like super chill. Like, hey, everybody, let's go and smoke weed and hang out. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, like, that was his religion. It was like, hey, we're just going to chill. And I'm going to like give you fist bumps all the time. And like, if you need a little bit of power, I'll give it to you. Like, we're I all see this as an absolute win. Yes. <laughs> oh, Lord. Um, for one of the game, uh, for the game that I normally run on uh, Saturday afternoons, um, it was actually a lot of fun starting out because it was for my roommates. And I was like, hey, guys, I have a kind of kind of cool idea for a campaign uh, where you guys wake up with no memories. And uh, over the course of the game, you'll learn, like, who you were before all of that. So, like, I had – it was um, definitely, like, trying to figure out, like, what's going on in the background while they're trying to figure out, like, who am I? And then, like, picking up more uh, teammates along the way and um, – that was a lot of fun because the uh, pantheon that I made was uh, one god for each alignment. So um, they found out that they had gone up against the chaotic evil god who was trying to wipe out all the others and had died doing so, but had been uh, brought back as level one characters and are now uh, ganging up to... Uh, uh, you know, make a new team and go fight them again. Hopefully more successful this time. <laughs> so they're getting, like, into the end game of that. But, like, we need to actually finish it, so. Fun. I think, like, when, like, I've never gotten to that, you know, the big, the big, 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 big end game. Like we've we've never really like this always it's always just kind of falls apart at some point along the way and it's like like people get I don't know like I've never gotten to that I mean, maybe that's why I don't prepare because I haven't never experienced getting to that. okay we're all level fifteen to twenty and we're gonna smack Vecna up like, <laughs> never got there 
I think because I like to be more methodical. I want I want to do the build up. I want them to ease over time to get more, so it feels earned. No, uh, definitely. And like one another another guy that they play with a player, he's way like like the first session. He has like this power NPC. He takes them through and like so that's fighting gods over there. That's a big god dragon there. <laughs> No, you can't do anything. They're like level thirty. I, I'll, I'll protect you. Come, I'll drag you through on the rails. Let's go. And then, and it's like, and she's like, where, where do, where does it escalate there? And then, like two sessions later, they're level sixty. <laughs> and, and like, it's just not like it, it escalates very quickly. Right. So, like uh, there, they get there, but I mean, it doesn't feel like, in my opinion, rewarding. Right. Well, for me, like I know a lot of my uh, campaign building comes from like how I pre- like build stories that I write, do a fair amount of writing. Uh, so that that's really the start at the end kind of philosophy of, okay, where are we going? We don't need to know how we get there. We just need to know that eventually, some point, if we get lucky enough and the campaign stays together. We'll- but then it's also very, very malleable and subject to change, right? Right. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, they're, like, like a, good, a good example. Of, so in that Far Future campaign, I knew I wanted Merlin to be an NPC. And I knew I wanted, like, I knew how I wanted, like, the the fight to free Merlin to go, but I didn't actually know where I was going to put it until a certain, I was like, okay, now's the time to put it into the, so, like, there's a lot of times you can build, like, set pieces that you can just drop into different parts as the campaign progresses, which is what I try to do. Like, I try not to have, like, okay, we must be in x city at this time to have this happen because we said the npcs are going to screw everything up or pcs are going to screw everything i mean if you're not doing good as a dm then maybe the npcs are screwing everything up but um no i definitely agree to that um having those set pieces is also good for when your players uh, absolutely destroy everything because at least you can use those set pieces to try and, you know, get them back on track for, uh, Yeah, at least push the for- story forward. Right. Like, I'm, <laughs> like, one, a good example is, like, I, uh, I built up the sequence uh, that I thought would be, like, two, maybe three sessions. Like, they got really into it. It took, like, eight. <laughs> and, oh, and so I was like, every right. time I make a small introduction quest, a thing will take one session, like four sessions later, they're still there. Yeah. So I was like, all right, yeah. I've got to drop. This is where I'm dropping Merlin in. I'm like, so I was like, okay, well, so instead of what I was going to do inside the catacombs, it's going to be the Merlin fight. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah, I've definitely had similar um, for the uh, uh, Sunday game that I run. They spent like the first four or five sessions just. Uh, pressing this cultist for information, not getting a whole lot of other info. So eventually I had an NPC finally send them a letter to be like, hey guys, I feel like I'm in danger. I'm just going to be chilling out here. If you don't hear from me, I'm probably dead. So that kind of like pushed them towards, let's go follow that guy. And then they did. And the plot continued to move. <laughs> I I mean, I remember, like, I remember... One New Year's Eve, we decided I was gonna run a one-off, and we were like, like for for, for friends, and we we're gonna we we're gonna go out to dinner, then go home. They were gonna make some characters. I was gonna take a nap, and the idea was we were gonna play at twelve exactly, right at when New Year starts, right? And I, I had planned for this to be like, you know, like four at like 
and it was like this like they were going to this and it was time it was like time themed because new years and everything so they go into this thing blah 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 there are different trials and combats they have to go through and at like 10 or 11 a.m there was oh. one more left and i was just like oh no i'm just retconning this last fight and it's not there and like the the end happens because i was like <laughs> i was ready to stop yes i've had a couple of one shots like that where it's like oh yeah there are like maybe three combat encounters and it's midnight by the time we get through the first one we're like oh no we made a mistake <laughs> Uh, but yeah that's like sometimes that's also a thing you have to do like more on an on session basis or like especially my players like i kind of want to do cliffhangers because i think it makes for great storytelling and like it feels good and you're excited for next week but most of them like hate like my two roommates at least they both hate cliffhanger they hate reading a book and then not having a next one if there's a cliffhanger they hate watching a show ending on the cliff like they don't like they get mad they don't want to watch the stuff anymore when there's cliffhangers. like because they just like they don't want to go with that feeling so i'm inclined to do cliffhangers but i have to remember two of my players don't like it which is really hard because like i feel like cliffhangers are great it's like and then like like something shimmers in and it's like and we'll pick up next week and and, i I'm definitely guilty of loving cliffhangers as well. So you are not alone. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my roommate's argument, my one roommate argument is that he feels like it's, it's lacy storytelling. Like it creates, it's easy to make excitement with it, but he feels like it's very cheap and like, and he feels like about it. So, so he doesn't, he, he needs a full story. He doesn't, I mean, yeah, he needs a full story, but he, he just hates being left wondering and he feels like, while he recognizes it does elicit the feeling that I want to create with it, he says he feels like it's a bad way to go about it and he doesn't like it and he feels like, it's, yeah, it's cheap. I guess it is also just kind of a personal style, personal uh, preference kind of thing, so, and I guess that's something you should bring up with your players, make sure like, hey, you know, I am known to end a session on a plot, uh, on a cliffhanger. So uh, I'm letting you know beforehand. And if you prefer I didn't do that, then we will try and see about not doing that as much, I guess. Yeah, that's what I mean. They, I mean, I've said I like cliffhangers and, and, they, and they don't. So I've, I've generally been pretty good about not ending on, on cliffhangers. Usually where I try to end, is for example the last time we played that we're about to go into the docks where that box were they were supposed to get and we could play for another half hour but right right it's like a pretty natural place to stop here and pick up next time without it being cliffhangery while meanwhile them going in there it's that de- and they, we have to stop in half an hour it's definitely going to end in the middle of something right 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 yeah so i try to do that Another thing I've learned to do is, especially when the PCs get really attached to an area, is let that area evolve in your head. Uh, again, like that. So I had this group of four islands that they were exploring, and they got really into it. Like, I was thinking, like, two or three sessions, and they made, you know. And so what I eventually did is, like, okay, these islands are now, like, an important piece to this whole thing what happened is like way back you know before time immortal or whatever like 
there was a giant war and these were actually blown from a different plane of existence and they were sticking out into the plane of existence the players are in. So help, so I just like let that evolve into creating like more of the story and get the backstory more involved. I'm like, all right guys, if you're gonna like spend this much time doing this, I am definitely, uh, definitely gonna push some story forward. I mean, one of the, which is something I guess I kind of picked up from Critic Role. I really want my players to make good backstories and try to make them big plot lines. Each of them involve into a, a major arc of the story that they experience outside of perhaps the the major big bad Vecna that might also happen. Right. I, I like the I like the idea of taking what they started and developing that and include so that their character feels super engaged and involved into what is happening. Right. Definitely. Uh, and I think that that's also the mark of a good DM who's uh, able to not only create a world that the characters are invested enough in that they create the backstory that fits well enough into that world, but also able to then in turn engage those backstories with the characters as the game progresses. Yeah, yeah. I, I encourage my players to do that, but it's always like a three sentence backstory. Like, Motherfuckers. <laughs> no, uh, uh, everyone who has played with me will know that I go ham for backstories. I and if uh, if players are, or even as a fellow player, I'm like, let me know your backstory. I like, I want to know more about these characters that you're making. I want to know. Uh, to the DM, I want to know more about this world that you've made. I want to make sure like everything is like fitting in and like uh, like one of those slide puzzles. And it's just so satisfying when you get to the end and you like click that last piece into place and everything falls together. Backstories are coming together. It's so much fun. It's great, and I live for it. <laughs> Definitely, I, I mean, might like character building a little bit. <laughs> this, this also is not. It feels like so good say to build some really intricate cool backstory thing and then like who knows how many sessions later it finally comes up and it's just like a bombshell everybody is just like what oh yeah definitely that's just like that's like that's what you play rpgs for like the pen and paper Mm -hmm. right oh yeah Speaking of, I need to do my DMA backstory. Do it. We need it. <laughs> I know. I'm not. On the other hand, though, like, I don't feel like I, I don't want a 10-page backstory from my player. I want something that's fleshed out, but I don't want an essay. Uh, for me, it depends on what level they are. Uh, it should, like, in my mind, it should scale with what level they are. Um, so like, for example, a level one PC should not be coming in with, ah, oh, yes, I was the top assassin in this army and I have like 300 kills under my belt. It's like, you are level one rogue, buddy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you might want to scale back to uh, weave it. But, um, yeah, I like starting at the, like level one. Yeah. And yeah. First couple, I'll usually make the first, cause my players have played a lot of pen and paper. Use. I, mm-hmm. I kind of, the first couple of levels go fast. I play with milestones. I don't know what you guys. Yeah. Prefer. Yeah. Uh, same boat, same boat. Yeah. Uh, cause actually that's like, that's like, that's, that's been a huge problem in my friend's game. Uh, they time skipped and in Voyn, there is a thing that's like downtime can be used to increase levels cause you can gain careers. You can spend time instead of XP to gain thing, right. uh, classes and such. And the, then they ran into a problem that made basically everyone unhappy because one of the characters was what is called a short-lived race. So they gain things faster in downtime. 
So she ended up being what is equivalent to 12 levels ahead of everybody else. And like, they were like, they were not very like, but she's like, she doesn't like, she doesn't, she basically cares about playing, playing the art, the role play. She doesn't really care about optimizing her character. She was still way more powerful than them now. But she felt like it was fair because her character was usually worse because she didn't want to engage. She didn't care about that. She didn't care about making it good. So her characters was usually way worse than theirs. She's like, that's fine. But they were all like, this is too much, especially because one of the characters died. So we've agreed that it's going to be like average level he get, he, of the group. He gets to make a new character. Uh, and he, he's really good at optimizing. So he was going to come in with this insane character. That was like super powerful. Ew. And so she wouldn't be the most powerful anymore anyway. So it's like, can we just all agree instead we're going to do a like, uh, like they're doing like a, like kind of like a revamp. We're all going to be higher level but we're, than we were before, but we're all going to be the same level. And there was like a lot of drama about that. And she didn't mm-hmm. like it because then she wouldn't be more powerful because she made worse characters. Uh, but, uh, but like they said, like, I mean, they, 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 the, the conclusion was if we don't do that, She's going to be way powerful. He's going to be way powerful. We're going to be shit and it's not going to be fun. And then what we're just going to do is like, we can just like, okay, my character dies. I don't want to play it anymore. Oh, we agreed that we're going to be average of the group. Well, there's two people left. You're both high level. Now we're more powerful. So basically they ended up, everybody's the same level. We're kind of retconning the time skip into everybody's the same level. But it was like a lot of drama and a lot of problems. That's why I play always with milestones in D&D and Leap. So everybody is always the same level. Yeah. It gets really messy otherwise. Yeah, I'm just like, yeah, y'all are all the next level now. Congratulations. Yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, milestone is also a lot easier for me to keep track of because I do not have a brain for numbers and uh, experience equals numbers. So <laughs> I, I avoid at all costs. Yeah, before um, when I used XP, it was just, uh, yeah, you gain 6,000 XP. Uh, I'm not, how much is that relative to your level now? I'm not sure. Wait, you're level one? Oh no, what have I done? No, I, mean, I, had, I had a rough idea, right? But it was kind of yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I looked at the monsters they fought and I was like, eh, and then you have to time by one and a half because they're this party size. Plus they did story things. They're going to get bonus for that. Right, uh, right. 6,000. <laughs> The only, the only time I would use XP if I was actually using, like, Adventures League, you know, pre-made modules where, like, the XP is awarded by the booklet, you know? Like, okay, right, y'all, right, did, right. y'all did this, this, and this. Congratulations, you have this much XP. Which I, to never, me is... I've a, never tried eventually. I get it as a concept because I went to FNMs in Magic, which is kind of... You go to your game store on Friday and you play Magic and you get stuff for it. And Adventure League is kind of like that, right? But for Dungeons and Dragons. Right. Well, and the idea for it is that everyone's supposed to be running the same module. So you'll if you go to a... So say you're traveling and you go to an Adventures League, you should be able to find a game in the exact spot where your character... But with new people. But with new people, right. So it follows a uh, universal... Right. This time we're doing this book, and next week we're doing this part of the book, and next week we're doing this part of the book. Essentially, yeah. And generally what they do is forever, whatever the one of the new books is, they'll create Adventures League modules for the new book, and you essentially play through it. Ari, okay. you're the resident Pathfinder expert. Is it similar like that? Because I know they have something similar with, you can take your Pathfinder character, any any Pathfinder game. I do not know because I rarely play outside of my pre-established group. I, I don't. Okay. Uh, I don't really do adventure league stuff. I'd like to someday, but uh, not. Don't have the time for it right now. 
But Pathfinder, a... Pathfinder did do basically Adventure League first. Right? They did they did that concept before they I did it with Wizards. So. I think they did. I think it's like that. That's what I heard. That's the scuttlebutt. I've done no research on this. <laughs> it's it's a great way to get into it because it's a lot more structured than like a home. Yeah, and that, that's how I got into D was Adventure. I don't play it anymore, but um, it it is a lot of fun. I feel like it's, it sounds like a lot of the magic about Dungeons and Dragons gets taken away, or about tabletop RPGs, from my perspective, gets taken away in adventures. I don't know. I mean, it is more railroady. But like I said, for new players, it's great. Cause, like, I mean, you have, but just, you have your character, you have your stats. But like, for example, one of the big things that I enjoy is involving the character backstory into the story and exploring that. And that's not a thing. Basically, your backstory is irrelevant other than from your old role-playing perspective. To like, an extent, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I would say that. But, you know, getting started is just one less thing to worry about. Because, <laughs> I mean, yeah. we've all been playing for a while, but I don't know if you remember when you first started playing. It's like, there's a, so much crap going on, it can be overwhelming. <laughs> Yeah, 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 def- definitely. I feel, I mean, I started playing before 5th edition came out. Uh, I wanted, like, as I'm uh, my roommate's friend from school's, like, I want to start a new campaign in um, Vampire the Masquerade Mortals, I think it was, where you, where you play mortals in the mm. Vampire the Masquerade world. Mm. Uh, and I was like, I love urban fantasy. So I was like, I'm on. I want to play that. Uh, and then it's just, I realized, I, th- I think that's what, that's why I'm, a, I only, I basically only GM now is I just feel like when I'm there as a player, I just don't have enough say in what's going on in the world. And that annoys me inside as a person, which is why I GM and I don't mind GMing just because like when I play as a player, I can get really frustrated. And I know that's not fair to the GM or the other players that I want to exert my will upon the world because I'm just a player. So it works way better when I'm a GM. That's what you call a toxic player. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but yeah, I started before the fifth edition, and then once fifth edition came out, I tried giving it a go again, both as a player and a GM. It's so much easier to get into than anything I tried before, which was Iron Kingdoms, some Vampire the Masquerade systems. Uh, I think we tried something else too. But like fifth edition, leaves and bound easier to get into, and Adventure League is like even easier to get into, right? Right. Definitely. Yeah, and I think that fifth edition is definitely made that way um and i'm so happy that it is and that it exists because i think that because it is so streamlined that it it definitely has kind of broken down that wall for new players who have been interested for so long weren't able to get into it before now are able to just because like it's easier to understand yeah i mean i just think i mean the fifth edition plus critical role that was just, oh, yeah. that was just the magic sauce coming to like that was the that was the ingredients for this oh, yeah. huge renaissance that's happened yeah. with with pen uh, and paper. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, there's never been more play known players than ever. Like, there's more people playing D and D now than there has ever been. Oh, easily. I mean, to a lesser extent, also just streaming in general, right? But I definitely think specifically Critical Role was what ha- what put it like put put it forward and and made other people stream right. as well. well it's also so much easier to play you know yeah that's the oh, other that's yeah. the other part that is that it's so like, easy to get into well and also just like you don't have to have friends in the same time zone anymore you know you can yep. we live in a digital play, age you know skype and all that but yeah now here we are where everybody plays D like how awesome is that like big famous actors are like yeah i play D. 
Like we yeah. had Matthew Mercer run like like runoff with uh, Colbert. I never thought I would see these things. And well, now, but, now it's acceptable to be like, yes, I am a nerd. <laughs> yeah, that, okay, that I did think I would see because I've seen like I've this whole culture change has definitely been over my my life, my generation. I went from like in school. Okay, sure, you could play computer games. A lot of people did that, uh, mostly the boys. But being geeky or nerdy and being into fantasy stuff and reading and stuff was like comic books was not cool. Video games to an extent, sure. But anything else, it wasn't really. You weren't like you were like oh you're you were a dork basically. But that's just like yeah, from, yeah, it's from my generation to my my younger brother who's ten years younger than me. It's been it's like night and day. It's it's okay to be a nerd and wear your geeky shit and read books. Like it's it's way way more cool. Well, in the U.S., like I I remember when I was young, D and D was like evil considered, and now it's like super accepted. <laughs> yeah, you're like the you're like at the age of Matthew Mercer, right? How old is he? Ish. I'm not sure, but he's like he when he was young, it was like the same. I think the age. He's 37. Yeah, he's two years old. So they, they, when they grew up, it was like it was evil, and when I grew up, it was like at least at the at the least not cool playing Magic Dungeon. Oh yeah, you like yeah. But my brother, it's like for for like for for his generation, it's way more. Like, eh, not not so much if it's cool, not cool. It's just like yeah, sure, you do you, buddy. Right. Uh, that's way more a thing in that gen. Even though technically, I think my brother and I are the same generation, even though he's ten years younger than me. But he's like right on the line. Right. Yeah. Well, it's it's. I've never seen a bigger cultural gap in a short period than from when I graduated college and then three years later, because that's when the iPhone came out and everything changed. Like, <laughs> that's when I was in school and decided to drop out and get a job, and that didn't work so well. Yeah. So yeah, it's yeah. it's cultural revolution. And we've been way off topic. <laughs> it's fine. I feel, We're I, don't really, to. I feel if it's it's still. D&D related and I actually feel like it's an interesting conversation but yeah, yeah it's amazing how fast things like culturally shift now some for good some not for good uh, but just in general the, the I guess it's the internet and everybody being plugged in and everybody being voicing their opinions all the time there's so much shift and movement all the time and mm. not just nerd them but in everything yeah like Critical Role definitely had a big thing Stranger Things had a big piece to it uh, the Adventure Zone is another big one. Yeah. Um, I'd also yeah. like to think that maybe it's because people are nicer. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. But that, that's just the hopeful, uh, hopeful person in me. But hey, yeah, I um, I read this article recently about how like there's this bit and this huge boom in like original uh like D modules and stuff like you find like mm-hmm. first edition supplements or something and mm-hmm. they're going for 10x what they used to oh, oh yeah. yeah yeah for sure like oh well, I don't, suddenly canadian i don't know what <laughs> <saying. laughs> uh, <laughs> um a uh but like no but my roommate sold 3.5 books around the time fifth edition came out for basically they already then it was like they were original value or a little bit more, uh, and I'm pretty sure they have it has just like gone up because if nothing else, even if people are not playing it that much, people love collecting. Oh, yes. definitely. Especially geeks and nerds. Mm-hmm. For sure. Like I got into reading again two months ago, so I went from zero 
books except like my, so my old stuff like like 10 books or something into i think i have 40 or 50 books now because mm. i just found a good used bookstore online and it's like oh yeah yeah i want that one oh, i want that one i want that one dangerous on the wallet <laughs> yeah. at yeah. least it's used books and they're usually like a couple of bucks yeah I, <laughs> like i i kick myself for not buying it like i found this you know, a 1E rule set in good condition signed by Gygax. Oh, that wow. sounds expensive. And it was like 200 bucks. And now it's That's like two grand. That's not bad, Jeez, yeah. This was like nine months ago. Like, oh. Oof. Yeah. But it's one of those times where you're like, like, I had the money, too. I was like, no, I'll be responsible. I should be an adult. I shouldn't spend $200 on something I'm just going to, like, put somewhere and just show off to people. That's like, I know, I knew and understood, like, I had a concept and grasp about Bitcoin way, 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 way back. And I was like, yeah, that could be fun. I mean, maybe I should put a couple of, like, bucks into it, like, like a couple hundred kroner. That could be fun just to have. I should do that. Never did it. And now, I'm, and like, especially in the biggest boom, I was just like... Why didn't I do it? Yeah, I remember telling my I'd friend Ryan. Yeah, I remember telling my friend Ryan back in 09, I was like, hey, there's this Bitcoin thing. We should put like a hundred bucks into it and see what happens. I was back Gosh. when it was like a hundredth of a cent for one coin. Yeah, and I liked it as a concept too. I still like it as a concept. I think it's a great idea. So I was like, I would like just nothing else just to have. It's a novelty to have, even if it's never going to go anywhere. It was like worth nothing. It was before the guy like spent... Bought, bought pizza, which was like the first purchase, right? It was before that. And I could have just, I could have had so much money now. And I just didn't do it. And I just, fucking hindsight. Yeah. Yep. That's what it always is. Yeah. We're kind of off topic again. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. Uh, no, no, I got this. We bring it back around to uh, making money from DMing. There we go. See, that's it all be, works out. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, we've we've. Uh, I mean, maybe people can uh, like write in or like give give us uh, their opinion. We're talking about making next week, next next month's episode about how to make money from DMing, uh, like with Gold Twenty and stuff, and what you have to consider. And uh, like Jacob is pretty business savvy, so he can uh, know some tips on that end. Well, if people would be US. interested in that, at least in the US, which is probably on average, I don't know what our stats are. Most listeners are from. Probably, but still, like tax codes are wildly different across the uh, across the world. So. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, I mean, I don't know. I mean, yeah. Yeah, that's a topic for next time we meet. <laughs> yep. So if, if people are interested, that would be like great to hear from you if you wanna. If you like any anything, we should. I mean, if you have experience, if someone who's listening now is like, yeah, I make money from DMing on Roll Twenty. Like, maybe we could have you on. That would be cool. Yeah, maybe I can. We can try and reach out to like some people who have posted. Like, hey, would you like to come on? Yeah, we'll give you at least like twenty people exposure. <laughs> I think I think we're doing a little better than that. Maybe I'm actually not sure what our downloads are because Jacob usually has the stats on that. I haven't looked in a while. I guess like. But uh, in the meantime, our mailbag is always open. Uh, we love hearing from you guys. Love hearing your questions. Uh, be about like specifically dm related or uh just general questions about uh tabletop gaming um so and, and it gives us more stuff to talk about so yeah it's a um, lot it's a lot easier when uh it's it makes our job a lot a lot easier if we have mail back yeah please please <laughs> we're begging you free content is great content yeah. Yeah. We just have to answer other people's questions. It's like, yeah. 
well, actually, didn't have to think about it. We have like 3,000 subscribers. Hey, that's and the way that works, button, yo. The way that works yeah. in RSS, right, is like whenever a new episode comes out, the subscriber equals a download, right? Uh, it's what this is is RSS. Um, do they automatically download when an episode yes. comes out? I'm not sure. I don't. I don't do a lot of RSS. I watch things on YouTube usually. Yeah. When I do podcast things, I, I don't know what our YouTube. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. Zero. I'm so bad. It's not zero. It is definitely not zero. Um, is it on the Broken Jars main channel? Do what? Is it on the main channel of Broken Jars, right? Yeah. It's everything but the Dresden is on the main channel, which it should be on the main channel. You bastard. <laughs> we have like three views, six views, four views. It's not Dresden size on YouTube, but no. even Dresden is like so small on YouTube compared to our actual RSS subscribers. Yeah. Speaking of Dresden, here is my mister. He is hey, purring obnoxiously. And drooling. My cat does that too. Oh, yes. He is very drooling. Yeah, when, when he's <laughs> when he's happy, when he's like, oh yeah, this is great. It's like... Oh, yeah. Oh, oh. Uh, I think we are sufficiently off Yeah, we're probably, we're probably good. We're probably so good. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's call the time. Uh, if you would like to suggest a topic, uh, please email us. Hit us up on Twitter. Um, we actually don't have any questions this time. No, because we didn't oh, man. really. Yeah, we we we, we didn't kinda, press for it. <laughs> yeah, we're this is just gonna be the random topic episode. <laughs> That's fine. We we are allowed to have those. Yes, it is. All right, until next time, which will be a Thanksgiving episode. Time for see y'all. See y'all next time. Next time, Bye. ciao, folks. See ya.